Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. I dropped out of college mainly because I was working on a startup. And a lot of what I was learning in college, I'd learned maybe weeks or months prior. And I felt like it was quite slow. I was doing ridiculous hour weeks that I, as a, as a teenager, I just get up, do work and, and sleep. When I'm like super active and I'm working on lots of things, I'll forget to, you know, go be social or hang out with my friends and stuff. I'll get, I'll get really deep into a problem or, you know, I'll be riding on a lot of stress and just kind of crash for a couple of days. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. Square can help your business needs from menu management and payment to online ordering. Visit square.com for more. Now, what does the next generation of tech founders look like in Ireland? What are they making? How do they think? Well, today I'm joined by one such founder, Jack O'Regan Kenny, at the age of 21, I believe. 20. 20. At the age yeah. of 20, Jack has already founded and exited one company and is now managing director of the Dublin-based accelerator, Patch. Jack, we're going to talk about Patch, but let me ask you first, why did you drop out of college? I dropped out of college mainly because I was working on a startup at the time called Mirror. Mm. Um, I was taking part in New Frontiers, actually, the, the Enterprise Ireland program at my college. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of the work I was doing in college would, would have been learnings that I was like, we were building touchscreen mirrors. This was manufacturer and I was studying mechatronic engineering. Mm. And a lot of what I was learning in college, I'd learned maybe weeks or months prior. And I felt like it was... Um, quite slow um, and that I'd, I'd probably be better off focusing um, on Mirror full-time um, and revisiting college later if I wanted. We'll talk about Mirror in a second, but yeah. um, we had another young entrepreneur on this podcast a while ago, Greg Tarr, who won the BT Young Scientist competition. He now runs an AI firm, uh, Infrex. I believe he's a pal of yours. Yeah. And he said at the time to us that college was just a waste of time for him, that he had already explored and studied many of the topics that he was likely to come across in college. And he believed, um, he said with modesty, that he was ahead of the curve and just college didn't have uh, what he needed. Is that how you felt about it? 
for certain aspects. Mm. Um, like I would have spent a lot of time as a teenager in secondary school doing BT Young Scientist and stuff like that and, and teaching myself. Um, I think college is definitely for some people and it's a really good tool. But for me, I, I don't think it was the best thing at the time. And where were you? What course did you do? So I did mechatronic engineering in TU Dublin. I was on yeah. the Blanchestown campus. Um, like it just wasn't for me. Mm. Um, I'm sure if I did something outside of what I was working on, I probably would have stuck it out because it was different. It just felt like I was doing a nine to five mm. and then of, of college and then doing a nine to five of a startup. That's the same thing. Just before we move on to this stuff, you hear a lot of talk about colleges and universities and which one you should go to and the value of degrees and network. Yeah. Is that the same here in Ireland as it is in, say, the States, where everybody talks about MIT and Stanford and there's a hierarchy. Does it matter in Ireland if you're in tech or you want to become a founder or you want to get into an enge engineering? Does it matter which college you go to here? I don't think so particularly. Mm. I don't think it's an indicator in tech and specifically like the area I'd be in with like software engineering and hardware engineering. Um, I think in Ireland for that course, it's pretty or that discipline, it's pretty agnostic. Like I've yeah. met people who've gone to, you know, MTU that are as good as Trinity or TU Dublin or UCD or, you know, you name it. They're so the value of the course is in, say, uh, what we think of as a really prestigious university like Trinity or maybe UCD and, and other universities. Yeah. In the industry, it may not be regarded as such. I think it, it depends on who's employing you. Yeah. But I, I think in terms of like the actual quality of work outputted, because mm. it's a these these courses are output focused as in terms of like tangible work as opposed to say academic work. Um, it, it's a very employable role. Yeah. Um, and maybe your employer is biased, but yeah. in terms of like your actual ability, I don't think it differs too much. And it can At depend on I've the seen. actual discipline as well, doesn't oh, yeah. it? And like software engineering, um, if you can come out and you're able to code, doesn't matter where that's from, as mm -hmm. long as you can code. Now, let's just take a step back. What gave you the idea first to mm -hmm. get into tech or to start making things or creating things? Uh, I'd say it was a combination of uh, between my dad, who's a plumber, um, like he, I helped him out when I was young and like I liked working with my hands. So that gave, definitely gave me like the hardware interest and in, like building physical things. Hold on. So you're you're excavating a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like, And you're thinking, I know, software. Not really. I think that kind of led to my like hardware. So like even though I do a lot in software, I'd mm -hmm. say like hardware and building physical products and things would be my baby. Mm -hmm. um, like I love it. And even though I'm not working on it now, my hobby is building things. Um, I, I think that's where that came from, like, you know, knocking out toilets or, you know, lagging so pipe. So what was the first thing? How did that first manifest itself? What was the first tangible thing that so you made? I think that in combination with uh, my interest in like Minecraft and like programming Minecraft mods um, led to me do building, you know, uh, distance sensors and like bins that open themselves in Coder Dojo. Um, I went to the local one in Mullingar and through, through there, I kind of found like a small tribe of, you know, five or six people that I really like building things with. What's a bin that opens itself? Um, basically, you walk up to the bin. Oh, with the sensor. Yeah, it, it just detects how close you are and yeah. it opens itself. Um, yeah, I think I saw you see a few of those around in Dublin. Yeah, you can buy them, but I, I wanted to make one for my bedroom. It never worked, but you know. <laughs> and then you got into the young scientists, right? Yeah, so I, I 
went into secondary school um, with an idea for a anti-bullying app called iSpy. And that was uh, pretty fun to build. It was, uh, at the time, there were loads of anti-bullying apps that monitor what kids do on mm -hmm. their phones. But they kind of tell you everything. They tell the parents everything. So I could be looking up how to make, you know, sourdough. And my parents would get informed. So we built like an AI model that uh, scans your screen and only sends inappropriate things that you do to your parents. Uh, all my friends hated me for it because, you know. They're, <laughs> Did they're, anyone use it? Not really. Um, <laughs> like we, we got way too much into the, the technical side. Um, like I was 13 at the time, but me and two of my friends, uh, Sean Murphy and Jack Hand, they got we got really into the technical side and like trying to patent it and um, kind of forgot to, you know, talk to users and see if people actually wanted it. But it was great fun. Um, we did reasonably well at BT and uh, went on to win awards at the Student Enterprise Awards. Wow. So I'm not sure if you could make an app called iSpy now and might yeah. have the same resonance. Yeah, no, we're, there were definitely uh, a few, yeah. few issues with that. And then tell me about the story of Murr. So you alluded to that a little bit earlier on. It's, it's, basically, it's basically what, like a mirror that you can watch Netflix on? Yeah, essentially. It's like... Um, if, if you've ever seen like the first Iron Man movie where he has these screens, like this glass window that he opens the screen on, it's like that except reflective. Mm -hmm. um, so like um, it was originally built for uh, makeup applications. So you could watch a makeup tutorial beside your reflection. Um, eventually we kind of realized, you know, selling to consumers wasn't the best thing and moved um, towards smart home. But it started as that when I was about 16. Um, I came up with Peace Tech and through the Student Enterprise Awards again, actually, um, got in contact with local enterprise offices and went towards patenting that and ended up winning best commercial something at the, the awards. Um, so, and what happened to that? So that actually took part in Patch. Um, I worked on that for quite some time, took on a co-founder at Patch. And Which we'll come to. That's the accelerator. Yeah, that's, we'll, we'll come to Patch. And, and did it ever launch commercially? So we had some testing and a, a little bit of commercial, but never anything big. Like we were very unfortunate with COVID and the chip shortage at the time. So even though we had like a product ready to go and we had a wait list with loads of people ready to buy it, um, all the chips we wanted to put in it um, were going, like I'd say we spent a year just trying to source chips. Um, we talked to people like, um, Ben Harris from Fresco and stuff like that. Anyone, you know, PwC. Um, we talked to PCH as well, like anyone we could. Um, we ended up like resorting to X BMW, uh, like the infotainment chips. And even then we couldn't really scale that. Um, so I think for the time, for like two 19 year olds, um, I don't think it was the right time. We probably could have continued a bit further, but trying to get chips in the middle of COVID was just not happening. So that's what might have been. And then tell me about the story of VC Hunt. What, yeah. what, what was that or, or was it? So what is it? VC Hunt was a venture capital, well, it still is a venture capital data aggregation platform. Um, it was sort of a kind of break from mirror for me. Um, I was doing ridiculous hour weeks that I, as a, as a teenager that I've What's a ridiculous hour week? 120 plus hour. 120 hours. Yeah. Again, chip shortage, just trying to keep existing customers going. So as that's well as 16 hours a day? Yeah. 17 hours a day? Roughly. Um, I'd How can up. you actually physically do that? See, I, I just get up, do work and, and sleep. It was COVID um, and I was taking part in New Frontiers remotely, which was yeah. kind of a nine to five. 
Um, and then I do so that'd be workshops and stuff. And then after that, I do work on. So when we things. hear about Elon Musk sleeping on the floor in his factory, you can kind of relate to that. A little sort bit. Of. Yeah, I was, I was in my house, so I had a bed, but, uh, you know, I wasn't as hardcore. But So you were working on VC Hunt and what happened there? Yeah, so VC Hunt, um, I, I only worked on it for a couple of weeks. I took a break from there, um, decided to do some software as opposed to, you know, trying to find parts. And after I, I built a platform that essentially looks at what venture capitalists invest in and then compares it to their portfolio. So a lot of venture capitalists in the United States that we were trying to raise off of um, had said, like, we invest in hardware, all this. And then after five or six calls with them, they turn around and say, actually, we don't. So I don't know why they were doing that. And like, it seemed like a waste of both of our time. But um, I decided, hey, look, I'll, I'll do something that lets people, you know, share these experiences. Yeah. And we ended up building kind of data verification system for that. People could submit information. So say firms that say they invest in female founders, but they had none in their portfolio, we'd flag that. Um, I think there's a ver like an early version of the site still live, but it was then uh, acquired by Startup Fuel in Toronto. Um, they're kind of a due diligence platform and this like worked really well for them um, because I had a massive data set. I kind of built it as a break. So mm. I, I was quite happy to, to kind of say bye to it and, and sell it on and that that word acquire okay so you yeah. sold it on sold, did you make any money out of it uh yeah a little bit okay how much i will say because <laughs> <laughs> the word acquired is a funny one it's often used yeah. um in the, the the world that i cover but sometimes it can merely mean that the people who were working on the startup go to work for uh, the the company who acquired them sometimes it can be a bailout yeah um, but you actually made some money out of it yeah like it was a cash exit there was no, um, I, I didn't work for them after. It was uh, yeah. like I, I owned the project for three weeks. It wasn't incorporated um, yeah. at that stage. So um, it, it just made sense. I needed to go back to Mirror. Um, mm -hmm. And even though we had kind of like monetization and all this built, mm -hmm. um, we only had a little bit of traction on Twitter in kind of like the three or four days up before we got the offer. Mm. and. I saw it and I was like, well, I'm giving this up in a couple of days, so I might yeah. as well take it. Yeah, fantastic. Um, are you, w what happened then? What did you do after this so account? I, I went back to Mirror. Um, I continued working on Mirror and up until kind of early 2022. That's when we realized, hey, look, we're coming out of COVID and it's going to take ages for this chip thing to repair. We can wrap it up now and always come back to it. Um, there's like, the patents are still there. There's the only thing we're kind of losing out on is customers in the meantime. But um, from there, I went to Dogpatch Labs, where I'd taken part in Patch and became kind of an associate. So they're, they're equivalent of an intern for tech on the NDRC accelerator. This is, I mean, most of yeah. our listeners will know what Dogpatch Labs is. For those who don't, it's, um, it's a working space, got a whole lot of stuff going on there on the docks in the CHQ. Uh, building quite a big space now, actually. Yeah, it's a pretty big space, and we we run the the NDRC as well, which is Ireland's national kind of accelerator. Um, they also have earlier stage support, but I was I started as a technical associate on the accelerator, and then after that moved into kind of their engineer in residence role, um, up until November twenty twenty one. So, kind of in that role, I was just and that brings us almost tech. up to your current role um, in Patch, but. 
just before we get there, did you yeah. find all of this harder to do starting outside of Dublin? Because you grew up in Mullingar, right? Yeah. So I grew up in Mullingar and it was definitely awkward. I wouldn't say it was harder to do. Like I, I had great resources to pull from in Mullingar, um, like the likes of Robotics and Drives, Arcoda Dojo, Irish Manufacturing Research. Like this great kind of industrial stuff in Mullingar, but the startup scene wasn't there. And I'm only realistically an hour away by train, but it was quite awkward for, say, events or meetups or any anything I wanted to go for network-wise. Um, like I was an hour away, the last train is at nine o'clock, a lot of these events run into the evenings. Um, so I did have to, and I, I still live in Mullingar, um, so I, I still do miss quite a few bits, mm. um, hopefully moving up soon. But mm. um, I would say it didn't inhibit me, but it did make it a bit, awkward and I had to plan a lot of my social mm. life around it. But. Are you naturally somebody who likes to be busy? I mean, I, I'm thinking of your 16 hour work days. I'm thinking of going from company to company and then you kind of negotiate your way into to dog patch, into patch. Um, you something on the go the whole time. Is that your personality? Yeah, like uh, two weeks ago um, when I was first meant to be on this, I, I concussed myself and I had to take a bit off work and even then I was antsy, just had yeah. to be doing something. Um, well, why, why do you think that is? No idea. Boredom, maybe. Mm. Um, some people can be bored and just watch Netflix all day, but you yeah. kind of have to be doing something. Yeah, I like being somewhat active. Um, is that important if you want to be in the field that you're in? If you want to be a founder, if you want to make something, if you want to try and create a startup, you want to be on top of it, you want to organize details. Do you have to have a bit of that personality in you? I don't think so. I know some great founders who probably wouldn't do that. They do, they'll, you know, go in, do a set amount of time of work and then leave because they know they're really effective in those hours. Um, I, I don't think it's a good thing. Like I, I spend way too much time not relaxed, mm. um, which I probably shouldn't. But what is, what's the downside to that? Um, I, I suppose when I do when I'm like super active and I'm working on lots of things, I'll forget to, you know, go be social or hang out with my friends and stuff. I'll get, I'll get really deep into a problem or, you know, I'll be riding on a lot of stress and just kind of crash for a couple of days. Because the ideal sometimes that we have, the narrative that we hear yeah. is, you know, break your backside, it'll be worth it. Um, you know, you have to pick one of, you know, friends, a social life, a successful product, successful relationship, all of those things. And it is an idealized narrative that we have. We hear it, the, the startup hustle, yeah. the Silicon Valley hustle. Um, but I do sometimes wonder about whether that's sustainable in the long run. You, you have some experience of that so far. Yeah, I, I don't think it's sustainable. Um, like going from Mirror, which I, I probably wouldn't have done those ridiculous hours if, I, if it wasn't COVID and I wasn't stuck at home. But going from that to kind of like a nine to five dog patcher, the nine to five a patch, um, which, although it's never a nine to five, it does kind of give me that social life that I missed out on as a as a teenager because of COVID and because of building a startup um, that I, I think I'm better off with now. Um, plus, at least now I can, you know, afford to do the fun parts. <laughs> yeah. Do you, just, do you know any lazy founders? Do you know any founders who just rock up, put in two or three hours, somehow manage to alchemize their way into success and then just go off partying the rest of the time? I can think of a few, but I won't name them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that uh, after uh, we, we we go off air. Um, tell me about Patch. Uh, yeah. Tell me about what it is, what it's setting out to do, and what your role is. Yeah, so 
Um, I've recently taken over from Tom McCarthy, who started Patch. Um, I'm the, he's moved into the chair position. I'm managing director, so I run the operations and, and our programs. Um, so Patch, as it stands, is a seven-week summer accelerator for high potentially young people, whether it's in entrepreneurship or you know, they're, they're extremely technical or they have a real passion for science. We, we want to take these ambitious young builders and instill kind of a Silicon Valley mindset in them so that they, they can go out, they can test things quickly, they can build what they want to and hopefully make the world a better place than that. But mm. it, it's really just enabling young people across the island of Ireland to, to do their best. And what what is the difference between someone like you who kind of started out yourself and figured stuff out and got people to join him and somebody going into patch what what's the difference that that will make to somebody going in there i mean for me who like i didn't know about venture capital or anything before i did patch um it was great for me because i could i could meet like-minded people who thought the same way that i did and that like had the same drive for building and making stuff and I, I think it was quite a good catalyst for really quick learning. Um, so like we get in mentors from from Stripe, from, you know, Pointy, Google, lo- loads of these great mentors who come in. And you, you'll find that although they give you like really good distilled information, a lot of that will then be redistilled by your peers mm. and then really quickly conveyed to you. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to learn a lot very mm. quickly. Um, as well as like the community is super helpful, like our alumni, We've we've ninety alumni now, that like even to to this day they're helping each other out. They're working together on projects. They may be from different years of patch. We were we're on our fifth summer, mm. and like we have people from last summer working with people on the first summer, and like a, it's a great community of like-minded people. There's also like the benefit of you get a great network. You get to meet lots of um, really cool and interesting founders who have maybe they're two steps ahead, maybe they're 10 steps ahead, maybe they've exited. Um, maybe they've, they've sold their company and they're, I don't know. But I think it's great for me because I got to see, okay, here's actually what makes a successful company or here's someone who has done a similar path to me and I can kind of follow and recreate their steps. Mm. Um, while, you know, anything I don't know, I can learn off people who will distill it and give me the most condensed version mm. so that I can act really quickly. Yeah, that's how I found it. Anyway. Yeah, and are people conscious when they go in, young people, that a lot of the the mentors that they might be working with, maybe some VCs, maybe people in companies who yeah. are always looking around for uh, new investment opportunities, there is that possibility, isn't there? Always outside possibility that it can lead to um, some sort of more meaningful commercial engagement. Yeah, the, I don't think we've had any notable to date. But I like it's always there. There's great people want to help great people, and or actually even even if we take away from great ambitious people, mm. kind of see ambition in other people and really want to help them. And like we're we're entirely nonprofit. We're we're based off ambitious people wanting to help others. So um, I, I'd say there's always opportunity for that, or even you know hiring or um, like I'm a reasonable example at that because like I got hired by Dogpatch who. Mm. I, my mentor when I was in Patch was from Dogpatch. Um, so there so is you, you joined the house, you became the man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just uh, benefiting from uh, the institution, but with all the tech chaos that yeah. we've been seeing over the last few months, and I've covered a lot of it, layoffs and um, insecurity about some of the companies. Um, 
Do you think there'll be less interest among younger people and students, say, for example, looking at their CAO options, planning their future? Just sometimes they can be very marginal decisions. Sometimes it's a parental thing who it used to be a lawyer and a doctor yeah. 10, 20 years ago, maybe an accountant. The last five, 10 years, it has become the engineer software yeah. um, tech among the chattering middle classes. Um, do you think tech, a career in tech is still that? Do you think it will still be as attractive to younger people um, when considering this, maybe doing their CEO? I think it's still useful. I don't know if young people will see the attraction, but to me, like a lot of engineers that I would have spoken to before I went into college um, left their degrees and went into finance. Um, I, th I think they're very versatile kind of sectors in that you learn all the maths that you probably can apply in, in finance or quantitative finance. How are they doing? They're pretty well. Do they enjoy it? No, I mean, but, I'm sure they're making loads of money. Yeah, Do they enjoy it? I think so. Yeah. They're um, living their life. And, you know, anytime I see them on are Instagram. Are they Not, well, some of them are. But <laughs> other, others are like, you know, they're they're enjoying their quantitative finance lifestyle. Yeah. Their Instagrams are all, you know, sunny islands and, mm. and stuff like that. And then, you know, other weeks they're building stuff. So that they're, they're still using their degree and they're, they're still finding mm. the fun in it. Um, but I, I think as a whole, the I don't think it, the recent things should deter people. Mm. I think um, like the layoffs and such, there's great people to hire. So if you want mm. to start something, um, as unfortunate as it is, there are more opportunities to hire really great people. And if you're starting something, that's one of the hardest steps. Mm. Are you still doing any plumbing? Um, not often. <laughs> like I'll occasionally help my dad move a boiler or, or um, you know, if I'm really, you know, bored or missing it, I'll, I'll go with him to, to do a job. But. Could I get your number after this? Just we might yeah. have a few jobs around <laughs> the house. Um, Jack O'Regan Kenny, Managing Director of Patch, thank you very much for coming in. It's been a Thanks very so interesting much. discussion uh, in explaining how you think and how you got to this position. I'd also like to thank Tabitha Monaghan, who produced Conan Doherty on video and Gav Hennessy on sound. This has been The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. And we'll talk to you the same time next week. Bye-bye. Shachtan and Indo Askeliga. Time in mon irokti yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter thing. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestin ekol. Vien talam aginam griv orkar nrachtum. Yatakshetarin griven orkar son ilistu halagus kimena fracht gora kliksar dukashenecher. Only Vin Own, Thardarakshin, Vin Marav. Shachtan. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.